The single note that I want you to carry with you after the service is over, after the sermon is complete, is the idea of practicing hope. We're called as followers of Jesus, as, as, as ones who are gathered in this community, as ones who will practice hope. Now, practicing hope does not mean that you go to the grocery store later this afternoon and you buy 37 lottery tickets and hope that you'll make enough for your retirement. That's, that's not the kind of hope we're talking about this morning. We're not talking about the kind of hope that says, oh, this one thing that I've always wanted that seems way beyond my means and probably don't need is a hope that you have. No, no, no. Nor does practicing hope mean that we stick our heads in the sand and pretend like everything's okay and there are no problems in our lives or in the world. That's not what hope is about either. In fact, hope is more than willing and ready to face any difficulties that are out there in our lives. It's, it's rather, hope is rather calling us to see the world through the lens of heaven, through the eyes of God, as it were, to understand that hope, no matter what is happening around us, gives us courage and the ability to trust in God and in each other, to take on whatever is in front of us. It's not about hiding. It's not about hoping that some gigantic windfall of money will come out of nowhere. No, no. Hope, the kind of hope expressed in the Bible, invites us to new life, to courageous way of living. Now, I know, I, I heard David Hogarthy's comments earlier in the service while I was getting my microphone in the back in the sound room, and it does feel like the world is chaotic and messy and scary and frightening and, and all the rest. But still, there is this biblical word to look forward in fact, I heard a great quote uh, last week in a committee meeting. Abby Jo Griffith, who's a member of the committee, a member of our church, she, she, she remembered this, everything will be okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not the end. Now, I, I was waiting for an amen from that, please. I, I was, I, thank, thank you, I heard an amen from the bell choir. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Yet, yeah, the, the psalm we read today implies the same thing. If it's not okay, it's not the end yet. If we haven't quite gotten there yet, it's okay because God is present and God invites us sort of in between the lines of this psalm to live with courage and trust, knowing, knowing that our hope will be more than enough. The eye of the Lord is on those who hope in God's steadfast love to, to deliver their soul from death. This old Hebrew poet writing in the Hebrew Bible, he knows, he knows that even death itself seems less than powerful when hope is what the hope of God, the hope of heaven, when that hope pulls us forward. I read last week while getting ready for this sermon about some research that was done by a couple of sociologists, one at Southern Methodist University, the other one at UC Davis, University of California at, at Davis. They brought together several hundred volunteers for this, for this little bit of research. They divided the hundreds into three groups. Group one was told, we want you to journal every day for one week. We want you to write down everything you've experienced. Good, bad, indifferent, everything. Just write it all down. Group two was told, write down everything that bothered you that day. Everything you're upset about, angry about, frustrated about, whatever it is, write all that down. Group three, that, but that's all. Group three was told, you write down the positive things. At the end of the day, make a list of all the things that you're grateful for. I imagine you can already figure out the end of the research and what they discovered. Group three, at the end of a week of, of noting all the things that they were grateful for, they were more enthusiastic, they were more hope-filled, there was, there was less stress, less depression. It was clear that, a, that an attitude of gratitude, a, an approach of hopefulness, actually changes the way we feel 
the way our spirit and soul and, and even our bodies feel physically, spiritually, emotionally. Now, I learned about this research from, from a book by Adam Hamilton, who also in his, in his book said that he asked his congregation to do the same thing. Every night for a week, he said, write down five things that you're grateful for right before you go to bed. No matter what happened that day, no matter how bad you felt, write those five things down. Well, I, I saw that. I thought that was kind of a corny idea, and I didn't really think much about it until later in the week, and it came back up on my notes and decided to include this in my sermon. I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. I'm going to make a list of five things. I did it on Thursday. I did it on Friday. My favorite football team yesterday got killed and crushed in their game, but I said, okay, fine. I'm going to make my list of five things that I'm grateful for, and i got to tell you, I've had the three best nights of sleep I've had in months. Maybe it's cheesy, maybe it's kind of corny, but the research, and at least my own experience, says it works. There's something, there's something about this hopeful spirit that pulls us forward and allows us to see the world through a different lens. Well, as you know, we're in the middle of our stewardship campaign, Faith, Hope, Love, Building Community, One, one Gift at a, at a Time. Uh, Terry and Barb Davis are the chairs of what we're calling uh, the Agape Circle. They, didn't, they decided not to call their team the Stewardship Committee or the Operating Funds Campaign Committee or something like that. Instead, they, they named themselves the Agape Circle. Do you know that word agape? You heard it in the English this morning. It was in the text that Sally read from 1 Corinthians 13. It's the Greek word for love, one of three Greek words for love, but it means more than just love of neighbor or love of self. It really implies a, a universal love, an unending love, an undying love, a love that will give you, ener give you energy for this day and every day and, until we find ourselves in, in eternity with God. It's that kind of a big word. And that's what they wanted to call their circle because they wanted to experience the love of God within the 12 or 13 folks who are on, on this team, on this committee. And what they started doing was they shared in their, in their committee how they've experienced joy at First Community Church, how they've experienced new life or, or hope or excitement or enthusiasm, a way the church has been there when, when their life was maybe falling apart, when things weren't quite as hope-filled as they wanted it to be. And the stories went around the room. And then the idea that, that Barb and Terry came up with is that they would let this agape circle then ripple out into the congregation. Each of the 12 was to go out and say, speak to a circle, speak to a guild, to another committee, to another council, uh, to the clergy, to a prayer group, to Bible studies, to Sunday school classes, to all of the rest. And that not only to share their story, but then listen to the stories around the circle and the other circles that they met with and the other groups that they encountered. Listen to each story, creating this circle of hope, of faith, of, of joy and, and excitement. Their, their idea is brilliantly simple. And yet, it's also a way of life that God calls us to live every single day. It's brilliantly simple, and yet it's also a deeper invitation to immerse ourselves in the depths of God's love and the love we have for each other so that we might find something new, so that we might be able to actually see through the eyes of heaven, through the eyes of God's very self. There's another word that was heard this morning. This one was in the book of Psalms. It was, it's translated in two words, steadfast love. It's the Hebrew word chesed. 
It literally does mean steadfast love, but that's kind of a, that's kind of a boring translation. What said really means, what it, what it really means in the fuller sense is God's love is ongoing, unending, undying. It will take you into eternity. It will give you hope now. It will give you hope tomorrow. It will give you hope forever. It's the kind of love that will empower you, the kind of love that will give you courage to face anything in front of you, whether the disease is cancer or whether it's a, it's a divorce or a difficult time in your family. This kind of love is overwhelmingly powerful and gives you the strength you need just to get up in the morning and get going to the next day. You can see why the, the translators shorten it to steadfast love. That's, that's kind of a long way to describe that word, but that's really what it's about. It's about God's ongoing and undying love for, for you, for me, for the world. Maybe you've seen it. I, I saw it last week. In fact, it was on Friday. Up at the North Campus, we had a memorial service for a member of our church, Pat Donovan, a sweet, gracious, kind, and hope-filled soul, somebody who gave her, herself to this church and to her faith and really to the community in a variety of ways. Connie Johnson, who's the immediate past uh, chair of our governing board, she gave a, a beautiful tribute to her friend Pat. And also Father Vinny, a Roman Catholic priest, a dear, dear friend of Pat's. He also spoke. He's, he's, he's not a very tall person, kind of frail. He was ordained in 1958, so that I assume that means he's in his 80s now. He speaks with a very soft voice. It was hard to hear, almost a, a whisper, but what he said was powerful. At the opening of his homily, he said to those of us gathered there, a variety of faith backgrounds, some who would even say perhaps they have no faith. He said to all of us, God's love is eternal. God's love is given to all. God's love is not, is not broken down by skin tone or faith or religion or country or any of the other barriers and things that we tend to put up to divide ourselves and separate ourselves. God's love is given to the world. That small, tiny little man with that even smaller voice was speaking the words of heaven. You could hear, you could hear a pin drop as he reminded all of us of the beauty of this love. Well, as I was writing my sermon on Friday at this point, I, I, I kind of felt pretty good about myself. I felt good about my life and my faith, and I felt encouraged. It's, it's kind of a rare thing when that happens in my own sermon writing, but it felt pretty good at this, at this point. But there was this nagging voice. What about when death does come too soon? What about when the disease is terminal? What about the pain we face? What about that? Does this word speak to all of us who've gone through sadness and sorrow and grief? What do we do when the world is falling apart? Last Monday, Julie and I saw a movie. I think it's the movie of the year so far. I don't know what's coming out next, but this the movie A Star is Born is fantastic. I get no benefit by promoting this, just so you know. But I, I, we love the movie. It's the fourth version. The first one came out in the 30s. It's, it's the fourth version of this movie, so you probably already know the story. But let me tell you briefly, I won't give away the ending, just in case you, you don't know how it ends. But it's the story of, this, of, a, of a star who's, who's, whose fame is fading. It's, he's played by Bradley Cooper. 
He's a rock star, but he's addicted to drugs. He's addicted to alcohol. It's ruining his life. He goes through the life just sort of drunk all the time. And then Cooper meets this woman. Lady Gaga is the one who plays her. She has this amazing voice, and he recognizes immediately there's something about what she does, and, it's, and, it's, and she is truly a star, and he does everything he can to help her star emerge, and he's fading, and she's becoming brighter, and yet they fall in love, and they find each other, and in the signature song in the movie, they speak to the pain that we're noting. Hear, hear the words from the refrain, I'm fallen, listen, I'm fallen. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change, and in the bad times, I fear myself. Do you, do you hear the sorrow in that, in that refrain? In the good times, I, I want change. In the bad times, I fear myself. There's no good place. There's no positive place. There's no hope. It's hopeless. But Lady Gaga, she sings back. It's a duet. She sings back to the man she'll eventually marry, to the man she's deeply in love with him. And in the final verse, she sings with hope, I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground, crash through the surface where they can't hurt us. We're far from the shallow now. It, it plays better when you hear it being sung, but do you hear what she's singing? She's saying, let's go out of the shallow end of addiction and pain and sorrow and fear and worry and instead go to the deep end and dive deep down where our love is found and where in that place no one will find us, no one will hurt us. It's a song, finally, of hope. It's a beautiful word. She's inviting Cooper and, frankly, the audience to experience that hope-filled place. You know, I, I, I've got to tell you, before the movie, I was standing in line to get some popcorn. And there was a woman standing next to me, and it was a long line. She struck up conversation. She said, what movie are you seeing? I said, well, my wife and I are here to see uh, A Star is Born. She goes, oh, it's great. I saw it last night. It was girls' night out. We all watched it. We cried. It was just, it's thrilling. You're, you're going to love it. I said, well, great. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, terrific. Well, what are you here to see tonight? And she said, I came to see A Star is Born. <laughs> and then her voice dropped, and her, her body just kind of sagged a little bit. She said, I brought my husband. I want him to see it. She looked down and she shuffled her feet. And she kind of stared at the carpet. Without looking back at me, she said, I, I want him to see it. Now, every, every pastoral feeling I have in my heart and soul was filled with empathy. I don't, I don't know what her story is. I don't know what their story is, but I could sense that there was brokenness and pain. There, there might be a need for forgiveness they especially need to hear a word of hope. You see, here's the thing. True hope does not shy away from facing pain, terror, and worry, and sin, and, and all the rest. No, hiding our head in the sand is not what this psalmist calls us to do. In fact, what he invites us to do instead is to look at our lives honestly and then recognize that despite whatever failings and, and mistakes we bring forward, God loves us and forgives us anyway. It's no mistake that Psalm 33 comes right after Psalm 32 which is a psalm of forgiveness. I named my sin. I gave my sin to God, and God forgave me. That's the word in 32, and then immediately we go to 33, where it's not about chariots of war. It's not about war horses. It's not about spears and swords. No, our strength, our courage, finally comes from the very hope of heaven. It's not a coincidence that the two are side by side. What we need in this life, what we need in this world, 
more than anything else is the reminder of God's great love given to us and to everyone else. I'll close with this. Some of you know that Julie and I, my wife Julie and I, met when we were in high school. I first met her, it was like in October or so of that year. She was going out with a a boy in the choir, a a tenor, soloist, uh, who had an awesome voice, unbelievable voice. Julie sang in the choir too, and she was a soloist on occasion. She has a beautiful soprano voice. Sometimes when she's sitting nearby you, uh, scoot over, listen closer. She really does have this beautiful voice, and I kind of liked her a lot, but I just knew she, this tenor was a cool guy, a funny guy, and he could sing. No, I, I, I can't sing, we'll just leave it at that. A couple months later, one day, after basketball practice, I think it was the first week of December, something like that, I'd showered and cleaned up after practice was over, and I cut through the gym on my way over to my locker on the hallway on the other side, and I saw her sitting there in the stands, in the basketball stands in the bleachers by herself, all by herself sitting there. I walked over and sat down. I said, uh, how are you doing? You doing okay? Everything fine? She said, no, I'm, I'm really upset. She said, my boyfriend, his name is Kurt. Kurt's, he's kind of being a jerk. I felt very pastoral in that moment. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry to hear that. What's going on? And she told me what was going on. I said, you know, you, you know what will make him mad? Why don't you go out with me? <laughs> she said, yes. And then we got married. <laughs> okay, now she wants me to tell you. I told her that story last night. She said, no, it was actually four years later, just, just so we're clear about that. Why am I telling you this story? Here's why. A few years ago, I hit the wall in my ministry. I hit the wall hard. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do in, in my life. I was overwhelmed, worry, anxiety, I, all of that. She sat down with me, and she said, you need to understand something. By the way, if you're talking to Julie and she says, you need to understand something, just be prepared. She said, My love for you does not depend on your success in ministry, however you define success. My love for you does not depend on whether or not you achieve this or that or some other goal. My love for you does not depend on how well you are a parent or a father to our children, although I'll tell you when you're not being a good one, by the way. No, my love does not depend on any of those things. I gave you my heart, I promised you my love, and I will give it to you forever. My friends, those were the voice, those were the words of God in my life. It's the word that God has been whispering through voices like Father Vinny's and Julie's and Pat Donovan's and Jim Long's and so many others for centuries. God's love is given to you not because you've gained this and that and done this and achieved that, but because God has already promised. God's love will be made real to you in the here and now. Let that word that hope-filled word, give us the courage we need to face whatever comes at us in this one life we share. Amen.